0: So let's take this brief break now. When we come back, Gudani Chikota is my guest. He's a legal scholar and attorney, and he's going to be joining us. Uh, we talk to him about, uh, yeah, uh, some of the uh, uh, key debates even within the legal profession. Uh, around uh, transformative constitutionalism, constitutional abolitionism, um, and, of course, I guess, uh, where those debates um, interface with uh, larger jurisprudential debates and, uh, as people often say, ontological debates in our society. And, uh, yeah, set to be a fascinating discussion there with a Gudani Chikota, legal scholar and attorney, uh, who's going to be unpacking some of these issues for us. And uh, he's our thought leader on this Thursday. Yeah, 26 minutes it is after 8pm Thought Leader Thursday it is And our Thought Leader on this Thursday is Gudani Chikota, he's a legal scholar and attorney Kudani, good evening to you my brother And welcome Good evening and how are you? I'm fine thanks Gudani. how are you? Um great, great. Just to clarify
1: something, a legal scholar is okay but not yet attorney. Just I'm um, I'm currently okay, an academic
0: attorney- associate at the University of Pretoria. Awesome. Attorney to be, but currently academic associate at uh University of Pretoria. Yes. Okay. No, no, that's helpful. Goodani, thank you so much man for taking time out to speak to us. Um uh, and I wanted today uh to not only I guess get a sense uh, about you as, a, as our thought leader on this Thursday, some of the work that you've done, the motivations of your work, but also for you to really walk us through uh, some of the key debates and uh, critiques uh, of different sides of uh, this debate on constitutionalism. Um, so on the one hand, there's this more mainstream idea of a transformative constitutionalism a constitutionalism interested in redress and uh, being seen as an instrument for social change Uh, and many of the stinging critiques uh, certainly that come uh, from constitutional abolitionists of that particular approach but before we get there i mean who is gudani and uh, more importantly what has motivated you uh, to uh, undertake the work that you've done and what are some of your key interests
1: Oh, yeah, thank you. First of all, let me just uh, pass my greetings to yourself and your listeners. So, Udani Chikwata is... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm originally from Venda, but right now I reside in Alexandra Township. So, just by mentioning Alexandra Township, it should now be evident why... I would write about constitutional abolitionism or have an interest in social justice mm. and decolonization in South Africa at large because of the place where I grew up in, Alexandra Township. Also, I also liked something that you were talking about before you called me with regards to the inequality in the education sector. Yes. There was also an article which I wrote about that. It was published last year also by the Pretoria Student Law Review. The article is titled, uh, uh racial epistemology at the time of a pandemic, a synopsis of South Africa's persisting inequalities through the lens of the hashtag FeesMassFall and hashtag free decolonized education. And it it, it it basically explores the inequalities that exist in the education sector and also rejects the notion that uh the coronavirus or this pandemic and the introduction of online classes actually Created these inequalities by saying that these inequalities were already there. This pandemic nearly put them in the spotlight. But I guess that is a discussion for another day. Mm. Today we're dealing with constitutional abolitionism.
0: Sure. So,
1: this, my, my interest with constitutional abolitionism stems from uh, a first year class that I had at the University of Pretoria in jurisprudence. I was being taught by Uh, now Professor Joel Mudiri. And what Joel Mudiri does, what Professor Joel Mudiri does in that class is that he he brings what we know as law into reality. As a young man from Alexandra, I know law based on, I know that there is a constitution, I know that there are judges, I know that there are different career paths. But what... Professor Joy Muduri does is that he takes that law and relates it to me as a young man from Alexandra. How has the law uh, impacted my upbringing? How has the law impacted my life? I'm just few meters from Centin City, where it is Mary, Mary, but just after the bridge it is Alexandra, where it is dire poverty. So constitutional abolitionism. It, 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 it tries to relate the law with the people, history, culture, politics, and so on. But okay, with uh, I, I'm just getting uh, carried away with this discussion because it's something that I'm very passionate about. I even
0: forgot that you also said you wanted to hear a, a bit about myself. No, no. So, so let's do this. Let's do. It. I think it's good that you get carried away because uh, I think if you <laughs> feel animated by your ideas. That's the type of ethos that we need to spread in our society. But complete, complete—just uh, your own, I guess, biographical assessment. Uh, You—you've told us, I guess, you know, just your own uh, intellectual evolution and the role of uh, Professor Mudiri's, uh, you know, critical perspectives on some of these questions in informing in your own ideas. So continue on that vein, um, and I guess where it meets with constitutional abolitionism. Please feel free to continue.
1: Okay, thank you. So from from that class, that is when I got to uh, have an interest about uh, social justice, uh, human rights, and I was also uh, introduced to other lecturers. For example, I was also taught by uh, Professor Kepo Majungozi, who is also a formidable uh, scholar and, and lawyer in the field of social justice. So what happened here is, here is a young man from Alexandra growing up, seeing all these inequalities. You go to a university that is predominantly white, like the University of Pretoria. Mm. How do I get to understand that huge gap? In in, in in first year, I'm still trying to juggle around with finance. Any fast, I must prove to any that uh, I I I I. I I have I, a mother who has died or I have a father who has died. I must... So, you, as, as a young man from Alexander, I'm, I am continuously proving that I am poor, even though they have me in their systems. They can see that this person gets sasa, they can see that this person... Uh, they have all the certificates there, but what they do is that torture of being black. You must relive it, be reminded of who you are in this in, in this unequal society. Mm-hmm. So that created and that created an edge in me. I wanted to know more. Why are we? What is this difference? Why are others? When when someone speaks, even in class, you can see even the confidence that. This person is speaking from a point of privilege, whereas with myself, I'm just there to get that paper which I think could possibly take me out of my poverty. So that is how my interest in social justice and human rights was was created. And right now, I'm currently a, a candidate a attorney, although I, I would be living. So I'm 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 completing I'm completing my LLM mm. Master of Law in Competition Law, sure. where I will be exploring the effectiveness of competition law regulations in South Africa. Mm. And I will also be an
0: academic associate at the University sure, of Pretoria. Sure. sure. I mean, also, I, I'd be interested. I'd be interested, uh, Kudani, one of these days to to hear your thoughts on some of the public interest interpretations uh, of uh, the competition legislation. But let's come back to this issue of uh, transformative constitutionalism. I mean, you, this is something in your studies you would have interacted with, and I think in many ways is a topical issue at the moment, where there is on the one hand, a lot of uncritical defense of the constitution saying, don't touch it, don't even question it, don't even whatever. And on the other, a sense that the constitution has been a stumbling block block or a barrier to the achievement of meaningful social change that will redress the colonial and apartheid legacy. Just some of your thoughts on, on, on those two debates and how those are unfolding outside and how those interface with some of the theoretical work you and your colleagues undertake.
1: Yes, definitely. So, uh, the concept of constitutional abolitionism was first coined by now, Dr. Ndumiso Laja. He was a lecturer at UNISA but will will be joining the the University of Pretoria Jurisprudence Department Mm. as as a a, a lecturer. So, this notion it can be traced even in the history of Black freedom struggles, where it was linked to the abolition of slavery. And, but it was it was recently revived in, in the United States, Black Studies, and Black people organizing as movements to abolish prisons, race, nation states, and so on. So, firstly, before we could understand the concept of constitutional abolitionism, we need to understand where the concept where the concept stands for from. Why did Uh, Why did Dr. uh, Dr. Luis Ladla think there is a need for constitutional abolitionism? Here is where the problem starts. In South Africa, 1662. So 1652 put in motion this whole colonial encounter that Africans had with uh, the the conquerors. That is when we, we, we went on to have uh, conquest. So, in, in the article that I wrote, I refer to three different things, which is uh, racial epistemology, which is the the infiltration and demonization of African knowledge with the introduction of Western knowledge, or what we might know as Eurocentricity. The second one is racial, uh, racial typicalism. Which is the idea that the uh, black people cannot own a, a property, for example, that black people cannot generate income. So this uh, this idea also stems from what I will focus on focus mainly on in in, in this uh, discussion, which is racial ontology, which is the dehumanization of the Africans. So the main idea behind colonization and subsequently apartheid was that red people are not sufficient human beings and as a result they cannot provide or produce their own knowledge they cannot provide or they cannot lead themselves whatever knowledge whatever culture whatever social uh, interactions they had were not valid because in terms of uh, the colonial mentality they cannot think they are not worthy of being humans, so, which, which, which is how they explained their arrival in South Africa. It is that they arrived here in, South Afri- in Africa to, to, to help us as black people, firstly through uh, the Christianization, uh, Christianization through um, missionary schools and so on, also through taking over land, making black people laborers, and so on. So, the so from 1652 to 1910 marked the beginning of conquest. So then 1910 legalized the racial order, but after 1910 there were other constitutions, mm. which there were other constitutions of. It, it must be noted that when I refer to constitution, I'm not referring to the document per se as the constitution. Mm. But the creation of South Africa. I think whenever we speak about constitutional abolitionism, people uh, become frantic. Uh, uh, people become scared. Like, okay, but why should we bend the, That document. Why that document is not like that document is not. It's not going to implement itself. They, you see, there, there are those questions. So we should just clarify that that that. Constitutional abolitionism is not the abolition of the constitution as a document per se, but it is the abolition of the constitutional foundations which led to that
0: constitution. So, wait, remember, wait, Kudani, Kudani, before, Kudani, let's do this. I think you, yes. I want us to, to pause on that particular note. The distinction you are making uh, between uh, abolition of the constitution as a document, but the abolition of its foundations and i want us to return to what exactly you mean by that Uh, but we need to quickly take a spot break now so hold your breath there for a second and uh, when we come back i want you to come back specifically to that point uh, and maybe expand on what is meant when you say it's a rejection of the foundations of it and uh, what of course would inform that we'll continue with our thought leader thursday segment on the other side of this It is indeed. And um, my guest uh, this evening and our thought leader on this Thursday is uh, Gudani Chikota. He is a legal scholar, candidate attorney and uh, LLM uh, student at the the University of Pretoria. Joining us uh, this evening as our thought leader talking about, uh, I guess, uh, key jurisprudential questions. Uh, especially insofar as uh, the notion of constitutional abolitionism is concerned as a counterpoint to uh, transformative constitutionalism. And before we went to the break, Gudani, you were really outlining, I guess, that this issue is not just about the document, but it's also about a rejection of what constitutes uh, our arrival at this particular juncture in, I guess, uh, you know, the development of, of, of South Africa. Maybe unpack what that means. Yes, yes. So... Let's
1: just let's take it from let's have a timeline. So, in in our timeline, let's begin in 1652 when Jan van Riebeck Capet comes or arrives in South Africa, and his main intention is to reshape South Africa in the image of the conqueror. Mm. So, from
0: 1910,
1: from 1652 to 1910, there are wars. They are fighting for, for over the right to preside over us as their object, as black people. Then in 1910, they agree and become a union that it's okay. Let these people. We agree that they cannot lead or preside over their own livelihoods. Let us preside over them. Mm. So from six, from 1910, then they go to the 1913 Land Act and then they say, since these people are not full human, since these people are sub-human and they, and, and they do not have reason, then it means that these people will not be able to have their own land and make it productive. So what we do is we take the land and this is a funny, uh, this is this is a, a, a funny logic because their their argument is that black people are not let see are not human enough to have reason to make the land productive. Mm. However, when they take that land, it is still the very same black people who they employ to farm and sure, so on in sure, their land. Sure,
0: sure. So let's go further. Let's go to forty-eight, And I I want us to to arrive, I guess, at uh, the yes. post-apartheid yes. period. So I'm, just, I'm just conscious of time. Yeah. Then we go to the
1: 1940, 1948 Declaration of Apartheid, yes. where Apartheid was made official. And then we go to the 1960 Constitution. Mm. Then we go to the 1983 Constitution.
0: Tricameral, yes. yes. Yeah.
1: yes. Mm. So in that, the 1983 Constitution, after that, the constitution that was supposed to be adopted or to, uh, to govern South Africa was supposed... Because remember, from, 16, from 1652, all these constitutions of South Africa were just a continuation and preservation of white supremacy and anti-blackness in South Africa. So in 1996, I, I, I will not... I, 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 I will... I, I will not dwell it to 12 on, on, the, on the interim, because it, it was interim. Sure. So the 1996 Constitution, in order for it to have said it has ushered in freedom and ended black people's suffering, should have undone all that history. What is this history? This is a history where land was taken through violent and this was a history where land was taken through a violent and atrocious uh, so, so let's just put it like this this is a history where land was taken through theft, violence and all sorts of criminality mm. now if you are saying this constitution is redressing party justices, then this constitution was supposed to account for that tragedy. However, since this constitution is or was not the solution, it then came and protected the right to property. Mm-hmm. How then do you protect a right to property in Section Twenty Five of property in a country where it is a well-known fact. It does not even need commissions of inquiry or anything. It is a known fact that in South Africa, land was acquired through violence and theft.
0: Okay, Kudani, let's pause here for a second so that at least I can uh, uh, outline what I'm hearing you to be saying and you'll let me know if indeed I'm following you correctly. You are suggesting that there are multiple waves of constitutions, be it uh, from the one in 1910, uh, that created the union of south africa to the republic in 61 to 1983 the tricameral arrangement and 48 of course somewhere there as well and all yes. of those represent our long line of continuity in a central idea in the apartheid and even settler colonial imagination of one the right to arbitrarily you know take land and take property away from africans treat them as subhuman and what was needed in the 90s was a structural break and a departure from that. And you're arguing that the 1996 constitution doesn't represent a significant departure there, primarily because it does not resolve the property relations.
1: True. But not only with regard to property. Many aspects of our, many aspects of our society today in, 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 for the fact, uh, obviously, even the fact that we still referring to South Africa, even though we know what that uh, name, uh, that, where that name comes from, and what it comprises of. Mm. But let's look at Marikana massacre. This is a, this is the, the, main, the, the main, idea. The it's a continuation. You look at sub you looked at the 1973 uh, strike at, at, at the mine where m- miners were shot, and you, 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 you look at there are so many incidences where black people were shot. Daylight, there, are, there, are, there are pictures and all evidence that if people were massacred without even any remorse, that that happened during apartheid. Now, you you come to uh, you far track to the beloved 1996 Constitution we go to Marikana where miners were shot daylight there are videos of the gruesome murder of black people so many years later no one has been held accountable why as Professor Lazulushawa rightfully puts it's because as black people, we are not full humans. So we are easily dispensable. We are men. You can shoot at black people and nothing will happen tomorrow because others will come and work so, and life so. goes
0: on. Okay. Kudani, just maybe, I, I think as as we wrap up, I think the, the point, and I certainly follow, uh, the argument that you're making. But I want to bring it maybe back to sort of where the public discourse is. And a lot of that triggered by the remarks that, uh, you know, Ms. Lindewe made, not only about, um, you know, judges as as now become the case, but also around, I guess, our interpretations of the rule of law um, and whether or not that law can serve as an avenue to achieve the type of social change that we're looking to achieve. What do you make of some of those arguments that have been made there and whether or not those coalesce with some of the arguments you're making around constitutional abolitionism?
1: i think uh, minister Lind Sisulu makes uh some very important uh uh points and I think this is one of the reasons why her opinion received so much attention is because of remember this is what Minister Sisulu was trying to address is a long history that was created through violence and all sorts of destructive methods. So you can't seek to address such a past and be met with a bouquet of chocolates and flowers. That is one of the reasons why I think she was met with such hostility. But what she, if you engage the content and not the person, you will realize that from her opinion piece, she raises very fundamental effects. Because, for example, the issue about African knowledge being subdued, you you look at our courts, our legal system. We 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 have a civil uh, law system, and that is compiled to everyone. Whilst there is African knowledge, but with African knowledge, you choose whether you want it to apply to you or you don't. Mm. In, in, in an African country, how can you have African law that features somewhere there as a footnote, while the whole book? So. She also mentions about the teaching of law in, 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 in universities, and she, ma- she also makes a, a valid point that, for example, where I, I went to the University of Pretoria, and I only uh, had one module, which was uh, called something called co- which was something called customary law, and it was for one semester in my whole degree. That is when I heard of customary law or custom lobo la and so on. But in in an African country, African law only features somewhere there as a footnote. Mm. So she's raising she's raising very fundamental issues that there is a need to change the legal system in South Africa and have a legal system that is not a legal system that takes into account the lived realities mm. of black people, their experiences, their culture, sure. and sure.
0: so on. Kudani, Kudani. I mean, it's 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 a pity we've run out of time, and maybe this is something we need to revisit. Uh, but just with the minute that we have, I mean, in that uh, nexus of issues that are required in terms of reimagining and really subverting this marginality of African jurisprudential thought in the broader scheme of things what in your view becomes the role i guess of of lawmakers legislators and even uh, i guess the executive there as uh, people who might have to uh, you know give true effect or create regulations that flow from some of the legislation what in your view do you see as their role in this rethinking and i guess uh, in that uh, particularly subversive project if I, m- I might put it that way in the best way
1: okay you, you see, now the problem is that in South Africa, there is also a problem with the legal system and how judges are appointed, the constitution itself, and so on. So it is it is really difficult to say how judges can play a role. No, no I wasn't yes, saying judges. I was saying
0: no? No, I was saying lawmakers. So the legislators, the members of parliament, and the executive. Oh, so, one thing for
1: sure is that the constitution that we have cannot and is not a solution to all the things that are happening in South Africa. So there needs to be a new constitution where there will not be any sunset clauses, where it will not be negotiated and closed doors, where each and every South African will be represented, a constitution that takes into account all the tragedies of conquest, a constitution which would establish... Not only which would which would not uh, uh, which would not establish the uh, establish or, or promote what the TRC did a constitution which will say crimes which were committed during colonization and apartheid should be prosecuted sure. and not heard in a commission or or, or, or anything. Okay, that's what that was, that is how. The, the, that is how the legal uh, jurisprudence of South Africa needs to be changed. Okay. That, is when that, that, that is the
0: one. That is Sorry, my brother. Unfortunately, yes. unfortunately, unfortunately, we have run out of time. Um, and I think, oh, oh, oh. yeah, sorry about that. We'll have to revisit this discussion. Um, and I guess some of the also elements in, in the question that I was posing there towards the end. And I appreciate that because we've run out of time. Uh, you might not have uh, the time and the space to respond to it. But I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us this evening. And uh, Doribuang Amanda, thank you very much. Gudani Chikota, there is uh, a legal scholar and uh, an associate uh, uh, at uh, the University of uh, Pretoria, undertaking his LLM there and uh, speaking around, uh, yeah, the theoretical uh, positions around constitutional abolitionism, uh, and uh, I guess as a counter. Uh, in many ways, to uh, the uh, transformative constitutionalism that many people are finding uh, a need to defend uh, in light of the remarks that have been made by uh, Ms. Linda Susulu. And it seems uh, there's a bit of um, back and forth around whether or not even the apology we were reading earlier on is indeed legitimate, Uh, Yeah, something we can't necessarily resolve now. But uh, let's see if uh, we can't uh, get uh, a sense of uh, some of your own views on this uh, with our voice notes.